We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, folks, what's good? We are back again. Another episode heading into Sweet 16 week. Uh, Providence coming up on Friday. And we had to get a special guest. We had it. He's actually, he's been on the show before. And Greg, before we get going, I got to tell this story. I don't even know if you remember this, but do you remember the first time you came on with us? We were in a studio in like a bad part of Kansas City. And you You guys guys gave me directions and I went down there and it was like where the haunted houses are. And I like, I parked and I thought I was like walking into a, a murder or something. And then like, yeah. I think Anthony might have met me. And then we went up this kind of weird stair, not weird staircase, just old. And we went into that room and you guys had a you had a bottle of booze for me. Some Coke at Diet Coke or whatever and some ice. And we talked hey. for like an hour and a half. It was actually it was great. It was just an it odd, was. it was just an odd environment. It was so funny because we were like, yeah, he has no idea who we are. And he just showed up to this weird part of town and uh, joined us. And it was great. Like you said, we had a blast. But as we've spoiled, folks, if you're not watching on YouTube, we've got Greg Gurley back for the second time on the podcast. Had to get him on uh, for a big week ahead. So, Greg, let's get going. What... uh, just give me your thoughts real quick heading into Friday, a little bit about this Providence team, kind of what you're thinking as the Hawks gear up for the big game Friday with Providence. You know, Saturday was such a, a battle, you know, we, we, and we didn't really get to watch Providence and Richmond because it was right after our game. But as you watch the highlights and you watch a little tape, they looked like Creighton to a degree in the way they shot the ball and I think on the surface, if you look at them, you're like, all right, this is what gave us a lot of trouble against Creighton, and this is our next opponent. And they shot the ball unbelievably well. They've won a ton of games. They've won a ton of close games. So they're actually kind of similar to us. They play four around one. You know, Bill talked about in his press conference today that if he had to compare us to a team, us and Providence are pretty similar. They got big wings. They got a big guy that is, is kind of like David. They use him probably a little bit less than we use Dave. Um, and if they get hot, we saw what they can do. I mean, they they were unbelievable what they did uh, from the three-point line. 
it looked like us when we played against K State and Allen Fieldhouse, where we made 16 threes, and we looked like the best team in the country when we make shots. And that sounds kind of dumb. Yeah, we look good when we make shots, but you know, we didn't make a lot of shots on Saturday and we still won. So I like the fact that we can win in different ways. And then you add Remy to the mix, a guy that can hunt for shots and create his own. We're an entirely different team. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about Oates a little bit. Um, He's been struggling uh, from deep probably since at Baylor. I think he's 17 for his last 62 from three. So I wanted to ask you like, is that a concern for you or could it almost be a good thing just because they are advancing without him hitting shots and he eventually probably will? You know, it's, it's typical Kansas narrative. We all say, well, it's a good thing because we won seven in a row and he hasn't shot the ball well, but in the grand scheme of things, we want him to shoot better. Obviously he's carried us all year. And again, it's a sign of a good team when you win, when your star isn't playing great, he still gets his 15-ish, but he's not getting his 22 to 28. And we need him to get into the 22-28. Granted, we're winning. Remy's going to take some of that away. But Ochai is a guy that can take us to the Final Four and to a national championship. He's that kind of a talent. So I guess I look at it as a positive that we won this much without him being good or great. But we need him to be we need him to be better. Yep. So I mean, to kind of go more on that, do you think that is I mean, being the star of a program like can't like is this at all mental? Is this legs from playing 39 minutes a game? Like, I mean, that that guy played so many minutes, it felt like. Like, or is it just flat out he shot really well throughout the season and now, you know. It's it's not you're not going to shoot fifty yeah. percent all year. So like, yeah, he was playing at an unbelievably efficient rate. I mean, he was shooting above fifty percent for a while. He was great. Now yeah. teams defend him differently. He's in the scattering report. He's like, do not let this guy beat you. Do not let Ochai Abaji beat you. So they face guard him. He catches it. They're right on him. A hand up on everything. When he drives to the bucket. They're hitting him. When he's cutting, they're hitting him. And if they don't call it, which they haven't been, it becomes a much more physical tournament, then he's got to figure out a way to adapt. And, again, he's getting his 15-ish, but he's not getting, you know, I mean, it, there, there's a crucial point in the game against Creighton where he, I think we were up six, and he got a wide-open three, and he missed it. Somebody got the rebound. He got, a, he got it right back, and he missed another wide-open one. You're like, that's not what we saw in December. So yeah. is it, I don't know if it's tired legs. I don't know if it's uh, I, I don't I don't know what it is. Now it's not the end of the world because he's been great and he's going to continue to be great. But do we need him to play better? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um. So I guess like one thing we've talked about like all year is it, it feels like this team they go through like five minute stretches every game. Maybe that's just college basketball, but but they just like fall asleep on offense. They can't score. Is that still like a concern to you? Is that your biggest concern? Or is like, I mean, I know we just talked about Ochai cooling down a little bit, but Remy's all of a sudden looking like an All-American or playing at that level. Um, is that still concerning you? Or do you have any other concerns with this team going forward? You know, I think defense would probably be my biggest concern about how do we guard. I think we're a good defensive team, not great. We're, I mean, we're won 30 games, so take everything I, I say with it. 
with the yeah. Kansas math and a Kansas mentality that, you know, I think people down the road to our, to our, to our West and to our East would take this in a heartbeat, but oh, we yeah. want perfection. So if I'm nitpicking, I, I, I don't want to see the, the, the defensive breakdowns that we sometimes have when, you know, guy gets open looks and they hit us and we all look at each other like, well, that was your guy or whatever. So, Again, I'm nitpicking because we've been so good all year and we figured out a way to win. But as you progress in the tournament, you're not playing against teams that have six guys like Creighton. You're playing against Providence that can hit you. You're playing against a, a, an Iowa State team that's that's playing great right now or a Miami team that's got all the confidence in the world. So the droughts concern me for sure. But as I watch college basketball – Everybody has those, you know. I think yeah. we had, we had the one that amazed me the most was I think it was our first uh, uh, game of the Big Twelve at Oklahoma State. <laughs> almost a ten minute drought, and we won by like eleven. Some of yeah. it shows you how good we could be if we don't do that. Now, I, again, I hate backtracking and saying I'm nitpicking because I, I don't want to do that. But if I'm a perfectionist, yeah, I, the, the droughts concern me a little bit. Yeah. So when you think about Providence and like, so obviously they, they got hot this last weekend. They, I don't, I can't remember how many threes they made in that second round game, but it was a lot. And so I think the big fear with Kansas fans is we've seen the last two tournament losses. We just got absolutely torched from the three point At USC. We got torched from every area, but Auburn, it just felt like they just had wide open look after wide open look. Um, if you were to kind of look at this game Friday and say, this is why we could lose, do you think it comes down to the shooting of pro like, is it going to be them getting hot from three that could kill us? Or is it going to be maybe us not being able to score? Like, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what should we be scared of the most heading into Friday? Well, I think in in the tournament setting, you, you worry about teams getting hot against you and you worry about going three of 26 from a three point line. You know, that that's the equalizer. That's the one that's the big difference maker. And I was a part of some teams that lost in the tournament because we went crazy cold from the three-point line. And we, we, we use that as such a, a, a weapon, but it can also be a settling thing to where all you do is settle for threes, and if you make three out of 26, you're going to lose. And, yeah. and that's the difference maker. So I, I, that's – I've been a part of too many losses when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I wanted, obviously, the point guard situation has been like a huge topic throughout KU fans, like the KU fan base this year. And I actually asked these two, like on our tournament preview, if there was any chance Remy could play more minutes than Dewan, and he has. So, like, I wanted to ask you, is it, are you like surprised at how well Remy's playing and how much he's playing? Or do you think it's just because he's 100% healthy now? Well, number one, I would say that people need to stop worrying about whether or not Remy starts. Bill Bill and I talk about this all the time in our pregame interview in November and December when our whole fan base is concerned about who's going to start. It doesn't matter. It matters who plays the most minutes. And lately, that's been Remy. Or maybe not most minutes, but the most productive. So get not that I'm, I'm not saying you guys are asking that. I'm just saying in general – that's what people are like. Why wouldn't he start? Well, I would say, why mess with it? Because it's kind of been working. 
over the last three or four games that Remy doesn't start. He comes in and provides that spark. You take Dewan out, you put him back in, they play together, and it just seems to work. Why mess with a good thing? Am I surprised? I mean, I don't know if I'm surprised because I know how good Remy can be. We just haven't seen that because of injuries. You know, that was that was like I think it was that makeup game. Uh, what game? It was the Nevada or George yeah. Mason. One of those like late in December when he hurt his knee. And we didn't yeah. think it was much, but it was actually something. So really from late December to now, we didn't really see him. You know, he, he came back at Baylor and did a couple things and he was okay. You know, that, that, that stretch where we played four games in eight days. But it was truly the, the Texas Tech game in the Big 12 tournament where the light kind of came on and he was great. And he's been yeah. great ever since. And we're an entirely different team with him because we got five guys on the floor that can score. Dewan gets exposed a little bit. Not his game. He can make shots, but he can also, you know, teams gear their defense to let Dewan shoot. And if he's not efficient, it looks bad. So he just adds a whole nother uh, uh, bullet in our gun, so to speak, that can make us be the best team in the country. So how, like, I think what's been the main takeaway for me is you see the transfer portal taken off and more and more times you're going to probably have situations where a guy like Remy shows up from a different program and steps in right away. And I think it's pretty clear Remy had to lose some old habits, maybe kind of buy in to Bill self style of coaching, which I think's pretty demanding. Right. So like, are you, I guess in my point of view, when I saw Remy get hurt and kind of miss all that time, like I had lost hope that Remy could catch up in time to get to the level of standard that Bill self demands, but it seems like he's there. Like defensively, it feels like he's there and he's trying so hard. So like, are you, are you surprised that he's gotten there? Or do you think it truly is just the knee got better? So as you look at the transfer portal, first off, you're going to see a lot of this where it, it take, it's going to take a while for a coach like Bill Self to trust a, a guy that's just coming in for one year. Because yeah. they typically come in in August, you get a couple months before the season starts. And it just, you don't, you haven't, there's no, there's no mojo. There's no jive. You haven't really molded, you know, you haven't really meshed, I guess is the right word. So Remy's an extremely smart player. I mean, he knows how to play the game. He gets it. Uh, Has he been coached like Bill likes to coach? No. Bobby Hurley's a different coach than Bill Self. And it's something that took him a while to, to really figure out it wasn't that Remy wasn't playing hard enough or they disagreed on anything. It's just different. And it doesn't happen overnight. When did Devante and Frank really blossom later yeah. in their career? Right. Yeah. So it takes time. We don't really have time with Remy and the injury made that time even shorter because he was off the court for a good, eh, let's call it six weeks. So now you know, Remy's figured it out. Bill's figured it out, figured out how to use him. None of it's surprising because Remy's a big time talent. I mean, 19 and a half point game, 19 and a half points a game in the big, in the Pac 12. That's a big time player. Nobody expected that to happen here. 
Nobody. Preseason player of the year, that was a joke. You know, <laughs> even Remy understood that. Bill yeah. understood. I remember sitting there like, hey, look at this. They're, they're saying he's going to be the Big 12 player. That doesn't – that is the dumbest preseason <laughs> – preseason awards are stupid anyway. I know you got to do them, but, like, yeah. I, I equate it to, like um, – uh, my grandkids giving me a coffee mug that says world's greatest grandpa. I'm not a grandpa, but you know what I mean? <laughs> so it is what it is. He got it. And he's not even going to yeah. be on the list. Yeah. Doesn't make him any better or any worse. He's just been so even keel, so proud of him. So all the stuff that was going on over the last, all, all the chatter, whether it be on Twitter or whatnot, Everybody had a cousin who had a barber who had a friend that knew <laughs> that it's stupid. Yeah. None of it's true. I'm on the inside and I really don't know that much, let alone some other guy that thinks he knows a lot. So, or in Beecher, and you probably have some, but I just want to clarify. I think our listeners probably know what you're alluding to, but so you truly you feel like things were pretty good with Remy and Bill all year. Obviously, maybe coaching things, but Personality-wise, getting along, things like that, it, it, it was good. It was really just the injury that kind of took him out for a while. 100%. Okay. Confirmed. Breaking news, Twitter. So. There you go. You heard it here first. Um, I kind of I wanted to talk about Remy a little more because it's like we all know like when he gets in the zone, he starts feeling it. He just starts chucking up shots. Um, and I mean, it's been a blessing so far in the tournament, but like is that – is that a thing that like worries you or maybe Bill and the staff? Because like I remember late second half against Creighton, he took about three straight jumpers, and Bill just kind of looked to Norm or whoever he looked at on the bench, and you could tell he was pissed. You know, he's a he's not afraid to be a big shot taker, and sometimes maybe too much. Can he be a big shot maker? Can he be a Chauncey Billups? Can he, you know? Uh, I know exactly what you're saying because there was a span about the, let's say, the eight-minute mark or whatever of the second half, and we get a six-point lead, they'd hit a three, and Remy would take a shot and miss. You know, it like we never could get over that five- or six-point threshold. And, yeah, he was hot in the first half, but that's a long time ago, and I don't think there were bad shots. They were, they were only bad because they didn't go in. Um, yeah. so I don't know, you, you kind of go with who brought you and, and he did. So I'm not, I, I didn't, I didn't necessarily, again, I don't think they were bad shots. They were just bad shots because they didn't go in. Yeah. I mean, how we talked about this on our last pod on Sunday, but how bananas was it that McDermott, he decided to, to sag off to one, but then just continued to do that with Remy. Like, did that kind of shock you as much as it did us? Well, I, I think I read a quote that McDermott kind of gave himself a little grief because he said, don't guard their point guard. He didn't say, don't guard Juan, but guard Remy. He said, don't <laughs> guard the point guard, or however he, however he uh, called it. Uh, I was a little surprised because, I mean, you watch the tape, they were just staring at him. Like, yeah. there was no hand up or nothing. And you're like, okay. And and for one shot, okay, or two shots, but then two became three, three became four. You're like, I'm like, this is great. Yeah. You know, and, and Remy is, I can always tell when he's about to shoot because he kind of gets that little <laughs> mo- kind of jerky and 
I don't know how to – I don't know who I would uh, compare him to as far as the way he plays. It's just so unique because he's, he's quick, but he's not like the quickest guy on the floor, but he's able to get around people because yeah. of kind of the way he shimmies and – He's I don't shifty. Know, he's shifty and he kind of moves his shoulders, <laughs> but then he just yeah. bursts and uh, – He's just – he's hard to guard because he's just yeah. different. Yep. All right. So, I want to transition a little bit to you know, Jay Billis. I'm, I think you probably know Jay Billis pretty well, right? Right. He uh, put out a list before the tournament of his top ten coaches going into oh. the tournament. And he had <laughs> Mr. Bill Self sixth on that list. And that riled me up. That riled a lot of the fan base up. Um, now, I saw a lot of responses to people saying, oh, Bill deserves to be above Izzo, few guys like that. And so the people's response was, you know, Bill's kind of lacking in maybe Final Fours compared to those guys or things like that. So, like, I guess my question is, one, Jay Billis is wrong, right? And two – does Bill get hung up on those things at all? Like, does he care about his resume stacking up against other coaches, or is he just focused on this team getting as far as they can get? Well, I think they're in human nature. I, I guess I'm speaking for him, but this is my opinion. I think human nature, you want your peers or guys that he respects, like Jay Billis, to rank him higher. I, I, I don't. I have not discussed yeah. that with him, but I would think <laughs> anybody – would want that. Does it, does it bother him? And is he losing sleep over it? No. Um, I, I think I glanced at the list and, and I'll guess I'm assuming K was first. Uh, yep. J Wright second. I think so. Yep. And I think yeah. Mark few was third. That bothers so me. If, if you had to really, me. you know, rate him, let's say we're doing that. Mark yeah. few hasn't won a, he doesn't have a chip. Right. So yep. not saying that he's a bad coach. He just he's played for a couple of national titles, but he hasn't won. Um, all right. So like I would think if you won one, you would be head of a guy that wasn't a national champion, right? Yeah. If we're really dissecting this, and then it's kind of a jump ball on Izzo, who are some other guys with they had Cal they had Coach Cal ahead of him, which He's won the Yikes. same amount, but he's missed the tournament <laughs> twice. Yeah, Cal, Bayheim, Izzo. Uh, yeah. Who am I missing? Yeah, it was – I think we got him. I think it's K, uh, Jay Wright, Few, Izzo, Calipari, Self is how they had him. And I get it. Those guys are all pretty similar, and I think it – like my thing with Izzo, and I'm not trying to trash Izzo, but like he's been to a bunch of Final Fours, but making a Final Four is a seven seed and a five seed when you have no shot to win at all. Is that really – I mean, I'll take being a – having a shot i guess is my point like i like yeah. being a one seed in the tournament and it's you a, do that enough it's gonna happen and it's an impossible list to make and they did it <laughs> for a reason to have idiots like us talk about it and, <laughs> and yeah it's good chatter uh yeah. but in answer to your original <laughs> question does bill lose any sleep over this absolutely not okay oh well, so I think he made some comments like maybe last year, last summer, kind of when the FBI stuff was coming out about how like motivated he was to coach and things like that. Do you sense like 
any extra motivation from him and like maybe like a little pep in his step or like just to win an Addy or, or do you think it's like still the same? I think it's still the same. Those guys are so driven every year at Kansas, Duke, Gonzaga, Villanova, whatever. Their goal is to win a title. And you're not – I don't think they could quantify any extra effort to do it or less effort. They go hard all the time. So whether it's FBI stuff, whether it's whatever, yeah. no, I, I don't think there's any – outside things that make you want it more or less those guys that are driven like that that have that mentality no that's that's all they think about they're competitive people we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah. So we've obviously talked a little bit about this this pod we've got here in Chicago with uh, Providence, Iowa State, Miami. And, you know, the big narrative has been the bracket has broken for Kansas. Kansas now has a pretty favorable draw. Uh, they're the they've got the best odds to come out of the Midwest now by quite a bit. Um but as Kansas fans, we've seen this before and we've been absolutely gutted by, you know, not taking advantage of this. You think back to 2011 and things like that. Does does the bracket breaking can that almost sometimes add more pressure for the players? I think sometimes it can, but this team is so focused and they're veterans. Now, I say veterans, CB and Jalen or Dewan are veterans. And this will be their fifth NCAA tournament game in three years because of COVID zero last year was two games, one of which was a blowout and then two games this year. So they're veterans, but they're really not just because of how things worked out, you know, with, with the way things have worked out the last couple of years, it sucks. So I would say, yes, it's a little scary. Do you lose? Focus, okay, gosh, a 10 and 11 and Providence, you know, whatever. But no, 
Creighton is a great example of why you don't look ahead. Everybody in the country outside of the state of Nebraska thought Kansas was going to win by 15 because they had six guys. And the sixth guy doesn't even look at the basket. Andro Chikasvili. I actually pronounced his name correctly. And Haney about fell out of his chair because he got a foul or something when I pronounced his name. And he goes, that's amazing. You got that right. So typically pretty bad. At, at, at and uh, but he was he gave me a little pat on there the you back. Go. Um, but anyway, the uh, 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 the Creighton game, I think, should give you a little caution because, like, that was a wounded dog. And I look at this practice, or this, this bracket as kind of that, too. Dangerous. Wounded dogs will bite you. And Creighton bit us. They had the ball down one with under a minute to go. We won by seven, but that wasn't yeah. a seven-point game. So I think that lesson on Saturday will help us in this bracket. Hope so. I uh, I think we're all we're obviously all excited to see this go this way, but it it definitely it brings back uh, terrifying terrifying memories of seeing the bracket break in 2011. And God, I'm trying to. I mean, I guess in 2008 it did, and we took full advantage. So it it goes. Yeah, I mean, we beat sure. Davidson in the Elite Eight. You know. <laughs> yeah. Was, I guess some people would say that was a breakdown, but then we go to a Final Four for the. First time ever, or one of the last times, I guess, that all four number one seeds go there. So you got to yeah. beat one seeds to win. So, hey, yeah. the, the, the cliche, you got to beat good teams to advance. That's how it works. Providence yeah. is a really good team. Miami yeah. and Iowa State are really good teams. They're playing really good at the right time. We're going to have to win two games against two really good teams to advance. Yep. Um, I just I wanted to ask you about the fan base um, that we could have in Chicago this weekend, just because all the alumni and stuff. So I guess um, if you could just talk about how huge that could be for us, and then maybe like a message just to get KU fans out there, and we can clip it and put it on Twitter and try to get well, all like of our fans there. Today, and in, in Bill's presser, he talked about that. He said, "Hey, because Fort Worth was good, but it wasn't great." Now. What you have to understand, and, and I know more about this because I'm in the Williams Fund and I know how it works because I am I have to deal with tickets and how it all – we get 1,000 tickets from the NCAA. Each school gets 1,000 tickets. So 4,000 of 20,000 go to the participants. The rest go to, you know, whatever else, corporate sponsors and, and whatnot, okay? So it's one of those things that – your fans have to become resourceful. So Iowa State fans, when they come to Kansas City, they get the same amount of tickets that we get for the Big 12, but they go out and they get on StubHub or they get on whatever and get it. So yeah. I implore our fan base, the tens if not 20 people that watch this podcast, <laughs> to go out and, and be resourceful. Get to Chicago. Buy tickets, wear your red and blue, go. And because Iowa State fans are going to do it. There's going to be Miami fans and Providence fans there. We supposedly have a big, not supposedly, we do have a big fan base in Chicago. A lot of alums. We need you there. Come to the United Center. Be loud. Our guys feed off of good crowds. Yeah. I Love thought in, in, in Bill, 
I think Bill kind of commented on this in his presser today, but it didn't feel like we had a huge crowd advantage in Fort Worth. And I thought that was kind of weird. Like it didn't feel like the normal first round, first weekend type vibe where we've got a huge crowd advantage. I think what happens is a lot of my guys that are donors, they kind of wait. Like they, okay, we're going to win two games in Fort Worth. I'm going to go to Chicago. And then you got your people that don't go to Chicago. They're going to wait for New Orleans. So (laughs) there's a little bit of that. Um, Fort Worth's about a 13,000 seat arena. I mean, we got half as many tickets. We get 500 tickets for that. So again, you can't call me and get the tickets. You have to get on StubHub and be resourceful. And, yeah. uh, and some people did, some people didn't. Yep. Uh, we asked you a little bit about this before we got going on the pod. And I, I don't think you had seen it, but, uh, just as a update, Drew Gooden, tweeted the other day that he's he's cheering for uh duke to win the national title and i we haven't talked about this we are not coach k guys we don't like coach k at all we love to dunk on him on this podcast as lame as that sounds should we take drew Gooden's jersey down i suggested it on twitter i was kind of joking but the more i think about the tweet it's got me fired up well that's extreme and and i'm kidding i'm kidding just so everyone knows legendary KU Jayhawk, and if you know Drew, he's one of the best dudes ever. <laughs> I'd I'd love to see the context around that because I'd be, I mean, he, he said it, he said it, but I'm <laughs> shocked because he's a loyal KU guy. Do you, do you have it? Yeah, he said, I never thought in a million years that I would say dot dot dot. I want Duke, I want Duke to win the NCAA tournament. Coach K deserves to go out on top. That's that's not the context I was hoping to hear because that sounds pretty uh, (laughs) pretty straightforward. That's as clear as it gets, and it has not been deleted. I uh, it's surprising. Um, Everyone's entitled to their own opinions. Uh, I don't mind Coach K winning games. I don't root against them until we play them. I don't root for him. I don't, I don't know Mike Krzyzewski is fine. I, I mean, quite honestly, I got a little, like a lot of us, I thought that the farewell tour was a little much, uh, but you know, whatever. Uh, we love hearing what that. you got to do. And I'm sure it's not all him. There are some people that were getting him to do that, but I don't know. I, it's, I guess it's surprising. Uh, that true. You did. Would say I'm going to dig a little bit into that. Yeah, we we that's mainly why I brought it up. We got to get you to figure out what's going on with that. I'm hoping we have Drew Gooden come out and be like, "I was hacked. I'm sorry. Someone stole my phone." You know how celebrities always do when they like tweet something stupid. Just say you got hacked, and we'll forgive you. Right. Uh, on Coach K, one last thing. So you obviously played for Roy Williams. You had to kind of love that uh, final home game at Cameron. Any chance Roy like shot you a text with just a little like uh, funny message that they ruined that night? <laughs> no, no, he he he, uh, he didn't. Um, but I mean, that was the day of our Texas game, and we all went wherever we went to go drink and celebrate the Big Twelve, and and we're watching, and it was we were all kind of like because when I turned it on, Duke was up by like twelve in the first half, and complete control of the game, and then you're like. We weren't really paying attention and then at the end. So 
I don't know. It had to be super awkward after that game to have that <laughs> fireside chat or whatever they had out at half court with all those former players. So I don't know. I, I, it, I don't, again, I don't like uh, take any, uh, uh, I don't get excited when they lose or win. I'm worried yeah. about Kansas. Yeah. I want us to win. I want the good teams that we could play in the NCAA tournament to lose. Sure. If the path is easier, sure. I, 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 yes, that whatever makes Kansas more successful that's out of our control, sure. Do I care about Tobacco Road? That's eh, nice, nice story. It's good rivalry, great rivalry, one of the best ever. But I'm not from there. I don't, I don't really care. Yeah. All right, so we'll uh, we'll try to wrap this up here in a, here in a bit, but I wanted to kind of go around the rest of just kind of looking at the Sweet Sixteen the rest of the way in the tournament. Um, you know, if you look ahead, and obviously we don't want to look ahead, but who are who are some teams? I think Gonzaga is obviously one that comes to mind, but like who are some teams that that you really like their chances to get to the title game, or or someone maybe you can see KU meeting in the Final Four if they get there? Who are just kind of the teams you're most focused on well it's hard not to to be a fan of gonzaga i i mean they kind of have it all i mean they got good guard play drew timmy's so unique chet homeron is even more unique and there's no other player like him um do they have the athletes i mean last year they got exposed in the title game by a better more offensive oriented playmaking team will that happen again maybe if it's against us, I hope so. Um, I look at Arizona when they're clicking as one of the best teams in the country. Uh, they should have lost one of the biggest travesties in officiating I've ever seen. And I can't believe that wasn't called. Um, but I just, it just baffled me that if it wasn't a, a foul, then it should have been an over and back. And if it yeah. wasn't a foul or an over and back, it should have been a flop. And the clocks, did you see the clock stop with like 2.2? Everything that could have happened incorrectly happened. And I was kind of disappointed in the coverage. I didn't think they talked about it enough. They didn't show a replay and they, they missed tip off. They were too worried about the dunk at the buzzer to see if it counted or not. They didn't yeah. show like coming back from break. Can it was, you imagine it was insane. If the if if the clock did what it did, where it kind of paused, or, or and then he and it, it paused enough where he actually made the dunk with point yeah. two. I mean, it would have been. Ugh. You're a TCU fan. You got to be absolutely livid. I mean, I mean, I, I, I'm mad. I had nothing. I mean, other than me being a Big Twelve guy wanting to see them advance. That's that's all I care about. I don't yeah. know the PCU guys, but I wanted to see him win. And they got absolutely jobbed. I can't believe it didn't happen. I don't know if there's been a response by anybody from the officials or whatever, but it was awful. awful. I mean, Mike Miles got drilled twice. Like, I don't even yeah. think it was just one foul. To a bigger play was maybe two minutes before that, maybe a minute before that, he goes up on the right side, gets hammered. Knocked to the ground, yeah. ball, and on the other end, they hit the three in the right corner to tie it. 
Like, I mean, then they called some really touchy fouls in the overtime against yeah. TCU. Like they got whatever less than zero is, they got less than zero breaks. Yeah. And that's like a big thing in the tournament so far is officiating. I think people are really frustrated with it with North Carolina and Baylor game. That was bad. Like, do you think it's been worse lately? Or I don't know. Is Are we just seeing things kind of flare up in big moments? Or is officiating kind of gone downhill? feels like it's gotten worse. You know, it's amplified because of slow motion and replays and all that. But I, worse, I don't know about it. It's just, it, again, I think it's amplified because of the stage. But it's been amplified for a while. Um, yeah. I, uh, uh, like, the technical in the Illinois game was a joke. Uh, yeah. Remy Martin's dunk against Texas Southern was way worse, and there was no technical yeah. call. That poor guy dunked it, and his body was kind of like this. It was physics. It was physics. With gravity and physics. <laughs> ridiculous. And, and actually, that had a massive effect on the game. I think at that point, it was like a six-point game, and it just was a momentum killer. Um Again, I, I'm a I'm of the opinion that if I got to get on the podium as a player and answer for my mistakes or Chris Weber calling a timeout or whatever it was, I mean, why why don't officials have to do that? I don't understand. I, I don't really don't get it. I mean, I, I just and, and maybe the right answer for the guy is, hey, I missed it. Yeah, exactly. That would be acceptable. But to try to defend, because there's video footage. It is what it is. He got bumped, and they, oh, we call the game the same all 40 minutes. No, you don't. That was, I would have, at the 10 minute mark of the first half, that is 1,000% a fact. Yes. Not even close. Uh, all right. Um, well, I just want to hear, like, how you're feeling about Chicago as a whole, how you're feeling about the squad, and I guess. If you want to give like a prediction on if you think KU is going to make it to New Orleans, go ahead. Well, number one, I'm the ultimate optimist. I think we're going to beat, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks or the Golden State Warriors that we're playing them. So if you, if you, if you don't believe that I'm going to pick us to go to New Orleans, then, you know, you're crazy. Of course I'm going to pick that. Reality-wise, I love our chances, and that's not just me being positive guy. I like the way this team's playing. I like the uh, addition of Remy, even though he's not an addition. He's just come to the forefront. I think it completely changes what we do. I love it when Remy and Dewan are in the game together because I think they're really good together. Dewan is a massive part of this team, and anybody that doesn't believe that doesn't understand basketball. Uh, I mean, at one point uh, – Around the big about Texas Tech game, I did a stat. It was like the last seven games, Dewan was like forty-five assists to like four turnovers. It was like a it was like a ten to one, or maybe not four, maybe it was forty-five to seven or something. But it was close to a nine or ten to one ratio. Yeah. Uh, it was crazy. And Dewan is a massive part of this team. He's going to continue to be a massive part. Um, so. I love where we're at. I love where we're going. Um, Matchup wise, if we were playing Arizona or Gonzaga, I'd have the same opinion. I don't worry about 
Providence, Iowa State, or Miami because we need to do what we do, and I think what we do is better than them. Now, will that happen? I guess we'll find out Friday night. I love it. I mean, we uh, we could all probably use that type of positivity. Like I said, we we always seem to jump towards the the games that have we've hated in the past rather than just hey, this team's good. Let them let it play out. Over all the years that I've done this, I've come to the conclusion that my feelings and my emotions mean nothing. (laughs) I tell myself that like eight times a day. So why not just be positive? Like why, why worry and rack your brain about something that you have absolutely no control over? An old coach used to always say, control the controllables. And my only controllable is how I uh, project my voice <laughs> to the radio listeners, to the television listeners, and why not be positive? Now, I don't mind being honest, just like I was early on with you guys. There's things we need to work on. There's, there's, there's holes. We're not the best team in the country by any stretch, but we can be. So we got to fix some things, but we're not. This isn't the most talented Kansas team we've ever put out there, but when you take into account chemistry and brotherhood and momentum, we're as good as anybody. Yeah. Love it. Well, I uh, appreciate you coming on. We were, we we're glad to, glad to have you back. Glad you didn't have to risk your life coming to the uh, sketchy part of <laughs> downtown Kansas. God. Yeah. You guys, I hope you're making some money and you, I mean, pre zoom, did you have a better place than that shit box? (laughs) My old kitchen was our spot at first. Hey, Jeff Graves, Jeff Graves one time just showed up to AB's kitchen and just same with you. He just, we had a bottle of whiskey for him and he just drank. I don't even know if he knew we were recording a podcast. He just talked for hours and told some great stories. That oh, that oh, pod man. that pod had to be edited a little bit. We had to we had to take some things out of that one. Dude. But Gravy uh, uh, was uh he was at no other pub uh uh last Saturday. I got to see him or two Saturdays ago. He's wild. He says some of the craziest <laughs> shit I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I All right, well, I played a lot of ball with Gravy's brother Robbie, who played at UMKC. We used to play a lot of summer basketball together. I knew I knew Jeff when I say a little kid, he was younger than Robbie. He wasn't, he's only like two years younger, but I mean, could have been the, could have easily been the most outstanding player of the final four if we won. Made it, might have been Collison, might be whatever, but Jeff, Jeff's box score was it 18 and 17 or something? Yeah. Something like that. Wait. I forget. Doesn't the the we were talking about banners earlier, hanging jerseys up there. If you're most outstanding player in the Final Four, is it Auto? I think so. Wow. Can you imagine Remy getting his jersey retired? That's <laughs> let's let's hope it happens. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'll I'll vote for that a hundred times out of a hundred. <laughs> yeah love it graves up there would have been legendary but yeah bill would have loved that <laughs> you know there was a guy at uh oh god the guy at louisville when louisville won the title maybe 10 years ago it was a no name it was not no name luke hancock hancock yeah <laughs> yeah i mean 47 luke hancock is 
probably in the Yum Center rafters, right? I don't know if everybody uses that same criteria. Probably, yeah. He, it's he crazy just what game. it's crazy what two games in April or late March can do to your entire legacy. Like that. That's what is great about college basketball, and also can kind of suck for guys that don't make it that far. But the Final Four that I played in in '93, uh, Donald Williams at at in '93, North Carolina won, wins. Never heard from Donald Williams again. But in that Final Four, and he was a great player. Don't get me wrong, but He's the most outstanding player with the Fab Five and uh, Eric Montross and Derek Phelps and, I mean, all these guys at Carolina, and it was Donald Williams. It's awesome. Well, let's, you, you guys let's hope. Like, you guys are looking at me like, uh, we weren't born until like <laughs> I, I'll be honest. I'm a pretty big college basketball guy. Never heard of Donald Williams. You're not – a bad guy because you don't, but but come on, do your research. I know. I'll be <laughs> I'll be more prepped on your final four games next time. How many points did I have in that final four? Four. Ah. Over just one but one three? Yeah. Or was wasn't like free throws or anything like that. If you made a real three, then that's that's big time. Real three. I scored more yeah. points in the final four than you know Paul Pierce. Frank Mason, Frank, shots fired. Kind of a trick statement, but <laughs> hey, it's true. I scored the same amount as those guys, so numbers don't lie. About that. Yeah, Fair. it's just Fair. facts. Well, all right, you guys got anything else for Greg? Let's get to New Orleans. Let's do it. Let's do get it. that New Orleans streak rolling. Rock shot. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.